Am I on now? Okay. I'm not Larry. Um, <laughs> Kent, um, I know you were late and you've been gone and it's been a tough return. Excuse me. I thought maybe you thought I was Larry and I just shaved, but, um, but I'm not. I'm Bill Bider, for those of you who don't know me, and uh, every once in a while I have this opportunity to teach, and I appreciate that. I am one of the elders here. Well, um, picked this title as kind of a little play on words here. It's July and the world is full of snowflakes. Um, you may feel the same as I do, that I feel like the United States right now is probably more divided than it has ever been, at least in my lifetime, and that's now 60 plus years in terms of what we think. Uh, we're right down the middle when it comes to p politics, human sexuality, entertainment, immigration, religion, role of women. I mean, we could go down a longer list than that and say we're pretty divided right in the middle. And not only do people see things differently, but the feelings that people have about what they believe, their worldviews, run very deep. And when someone says something that conflicts with their worldview or what they hold dearly, they have a pretty serious reaction to that pretty often. And that's where the term snowflake came, and I don't know how old that term really is, but what it really means is it's a person who is so sensitive or fragile that they're not only easily offended when someone says something or does something that disagrees with their beliefs or worldview, but they may have a complete meltdown. That's really, I think, where the snowflake term comes, that the response can be childish, rude, even violent type behaviors, shouting obscenities, doing things that might not have been acceptable a short time ago. Well, those of us who uh, are probably in this church today, Bible-believing, conservative-type people may think that this snowflake thing isn't us. We may think it is the other side. But I think, as you'll see today, we are in some ways, we show some of those snowflake tendencies. And uh, we will see how harmful those tendencies can be to our service for the Lord. And that's one of the things we want to talk about. And then we're going to want to talk about also what it is we might be able to do better even though we're going to look at both sides of the issue today, those that maybe are on the opposite side of us who have a different worldview of us, uh, a lot of what we're going to cover is going to be relevant to us. You know, another way to look at this is when we see these people that uh, respond very uh, emotionally to things that are going on, we may call them crybabies because, you know, babies cry when they don't get their way. And we sometimes behave in a similar manner when something goes against us. We may not cry like the baby does, but we may uh, throw our own sort of tantrum, whether it's grumbling, complaining, whatever that may be. Uh, some of those same kind of behaviors may come out. Now, um, people who are often and easily offended do a lot of grumbling and complaining. And again, that applies to us as well as the other side in some ways. And when that happens, where's our joy, our contentment? It's certainly not God's will for us to be grumblers and complainers. We're called to rejoice always, not just when we're satisfied or when everyone is agreeing with us, because this really is the will of God for us. 
for us to be the most effective servants of the Lord, we can't be ongoing grumblers and complainers because of what we're seeing going on in the world around us. Our response to those things has to be different. We've got to be different people than the other side. Now, there's offense that goes on in the household, individuals. Individuals are offended, the masses are offended. Um, husbands and wives, if you have been married very long, you almost certainly have offended one another a lot, uh, in one way or another. And if you say you haven't, then yeah, I bet your spouse would not would say something different if, if you can't see it in yourself. <coughs> Kids, you undoubtedly have been offended by something that your parents have said or what a brother or sister has done or someone else. This is, we're just looking within families now. And everyone's part of a group or multiple groups. I would say that we have a high percentage of homeschoolers in this group. And I would say a lot of you homeschoolers as a group have been offended by some things you have heard. You have probably heard parents, you've probably heard you're not trained to be a teacher. What are you doing trying to teach your kids? You're not gonna prepare them adequately. Maybe you've taken offense to comments that have come from outside of the homeschooling community about that. And kids, you probably, being a homeschooler, have heard you're being socially unprepared to enter the world. Because, you know, if you're not in that school, public school environment or even uh, a religious school environment, you're not going to have the socializing that you need. Maybe you've taken offense to some of those kinds of comments. We're also a church that has had the privilege of being um, picketed by the Westboro Baptist Church. And maybe some of you were offended by that. We're used to it in Topeka, but you still might have been offended given what you have seen on the picketing signs. Now, on this, there's an interesting thing, and I'm going to turn here for a minute to this idea. That sign, if you can read it on the bottoms of that group, uh, offended group, says, we condemn freedom of speech that hurts other people's feelings. And um, I, I bring that up because this whole idea of being offended has to do with feelings and an emphasis on how we feel. A definition of being offended is shown here on the screen right now, and it is to cause a person or group to feel hurt, angry, insulted, or generally upset by something said or done. When you are offended, it usually is eliciting some kind of emotional response out of you. These, um, this whole concept of feelings is very important, and I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on that, and we'll, we'll kind of emphasize that throughout. But I do want to say there is another definition of, of offense that I'm not going to really be talking about this morning, but I want to at least mention it, because an offense also includes transgressions of the law, and that can be both secular law or divine law. But we're not going to go there today. Uh, but that is another definition of offense. Instead, we're going to talk about those offenses that really impact relationships and then really service for the Lord. And I couldn't resist this cartoon because it's this thing between um, feelings, truth, and, and the difference. But, but, but here, some of you are reading the line, but I'll read it anyway. Um, 
to emphasize this importance being placed on feelings today instead of truth. The game show host says, I'm sorry, Greg, while your answer was correct, Nicole was offended by it, so she gets the point. It's just really indicating how important feelings are these days rather than truth. Feelings rule the day. Truth is less important in, the, in our culture. I'm not preaching that. I'm not saying that. But I think our culture right now would emphasize that feelings matter more than truth. Whether it's theological truth, political truth, scientific truth, if it hurts someone's feelings, it's pretty much off limits, territory. Now, I am going to get into more scripture here in a bit. So there's, but this is a lot of background to kind of set the stage for what's going on in our culture. We do have differences between the things that offend people that I will say that are on that more liberal progressive side and on our more conservative side. We could also break this down in a different grouping, believers and unbelievers. And it's pretty much the same line, or let's say people who hold scripture, a low view of scripture also compared to the high view that we have which is that it is in, it's inspired, it's inerrant, and if you, you can break the difference of what offends down that way as well. But when we look at people who are on the other side, I would say things that offend them are judgmental people. They know that verse out of Matthew 7 pretty good about do not judge. Um, that's one that they can call upon readily in various situations. Certain parts of the Bible offend. People who really support and actually say something positive about traditional marriage. Global warming deniers offend. People who say America first, gun rights people, pro-life position. There's a whole lot more things there. But we conservatives have our list of things that offend us. People who disrespect God and country, profane language, politically correct ideas that are just being spouted. Abortion, the opposite side of the gun issue, the gun control, LGBTQ demands, and fake news. I mean, just an example of things that offend us. Now, we may say, well, we've got the right ideas. Those things that offend us are right. But it's how we respond to it. How do we react to it? Whether it's right or wrong, we believe it is. They would believe their side is. What we're going to talk more about today is why we are so offended so easily, how we participate in offending others, and how we react when offended. That's what we're going to come to here. Okay, so that's a long background uh, to get us started or intro. So why are so people so easily offended? Because that's the starting point in this whole thing. You are easily offended, I'm going to say. You may disagree. You may say, I'm not. I'm not easily offended. But I bet you are, if they push the right button. You know, I, I think you might be. But you know what it all starts with? The fact that we're human, whether we're on our conservative, Bible-believing, Christian side of things, or whether we're on that other side, however we define it. There's something about us all. We're all human. And we all inherit a sinful nature from Adam and down through the line. 
And sin is what runs throughout all. It's that starting point, it's being the offender, and it is reacting to the offense. We've got a lot of sin to go around. And what is it that is so important about that starting point is really there's the internal stuff, the stuff that we are inheriting as part of our sinful nature, but there are some influences that are coming from outside that affect who we are before we get triggered with the true offensive thing that comes our way. So let's start out with what is it that uh, we all struggle with? We all struggle with pride, that self-centered attitude, that self-importance that we place on what we believe, what we think is right and superior to what everybody else believes. Pride we know is a sin. It runs throughout scripture, calling it a sin. And we also know that it is in conflict with what Paul taught in Romans 12.3. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. We could stop right there, actually, and not even uh, go down the line, because I think everyone struggles with some degree with the sin of pride. And that sets us up to be offended. But there's a, other, a few other things that I would really like to mention here that, that are a little worse. Uh, well, what can be worse than pride? I shouldn't probably say that. That add to it. That people don't want their evil deeds exposed. People love darkness more than light. And if anyone loves something, if you love something and someone criticizes it, you're going to be offended. Sometimes your love is this love-hate thing. You, you love to do this thing, but you know it's sin, but you do it anyway. Uh, and you don't want it exposed. But if anyone says anything against that, you will, to some degree, be offended something that you are practicing. And very similar to that is you don't want to be judged. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. The other side for sure knows Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. When we find something sinful that someone is doing and we say something about it, perhaps in the wrong way, they pull that verse out and throw it right at you. And... Um, and so there's that inner thing, even you may think that sometimes, when someone says something about what you are doing, that uh, don't ju judge me. But then we have another thing going on, too, that affects who we are and why we're readily offended. And that is that uh, there is work by the devil to deceive us. Now, this verse from 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers. So that is specifically talking about the other unbelieving world being deceived by the devil. But he's still working on us, too, to deceive us. And 1 Corinthians 15.33 could be more applicable to a believer, where bad company corrupts good character. So we're kind of, these are the kind of things that set us up to make us ripe and ready to be offended. And I'll go back to the first one. The pride is probably as important as anything. All right, so you're, you're ready to be offended. You're easily 
triggered, something about uh, what you are, who you are. And so it doesn't take a whole lot sometimes to trigger an offense in a person. And words are probably as common as anything that might offend. Whether uttered intentionally or unintentionally, words are, uh, words are those things that hurt. And um, there are other things, there are unspoken words as well, a look or expression from a person, a posture, even clothing. So it doesn't have to necessarily be the careless spoken words, but other things. But Proverbs 12:18 says, careless words stab like a sword. But there are some other things that we can do even as Christians. We certainly utter careless words to offend others. We also can eat or drink in a way that could be a stumbling block to the weak. 1 Corinthians 8.12 says, You sin against them in a way and wound in this way and wound their weak conscience. Whether you believe that you should be able to have a drink of alcohol or not, there's some differences I know in this church. Some people hold fast to the belief that uh, we should refrain from alcohol and that people may have different reasons for that. Some other people may think an occasional drink of wine or a beer is fine. But it is possible that if we believe we have the freedom to have an alcoholic drink and we take that drink in the midst of someone who could potentially be offended by it, Paul would call that sin. You sin against them in this way, and you can wound their conscience. So we have to be careful about such things. Hypocrisy. You, hypocrisy is sin in itself, but we also have the potential to offend people when we act hypocritically. For example, you know, we could, um, we could behave in a way that is a poor, very poor witness, but yet preach something, and that person sees, they think uh, that we are claiming to be a Christian, and yet we're behaving in a certain way, and uh, we're paying no attention to the plank in our own eye, and that can cause offense. It's not just sin in itself in our own lives, but it could affect someone that way. And of course, profanity is definitely something that could be a triggering um, action by us that would offend. Uh, it's becoming more and more popular and accepted, but God's word says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your own mouths. Even though we probably don't live a life uh, with a lot of profane language coming out of our mouths, it can slip and it can offend. So these are just some things that we can do that trigger offense in other people. So, uh, we have, first of all, the fact that we have in us a tendency to be offended easily. We also sin in ways that trigger offenses in other people. And then there's the sinful potential reaction to um, being offended. So how do you, if you were offended by any of the ways that I've been talking about, how do you respond when offended? Do you get angry? Do you actually get violent? And violence can be just 
language as well as something worse. Do you argue? Do you withdraw? Do you have trouble forgiving if you've been offended? I'll tell you, one of the, uh, at the place I fall the worst, because I, I admit to being offended, and I, uh, and I have been offended uh, in the house and in work and other places, but the place where I will confess to doing the worst thing when I'm offended is to withdraw and give the silent treatment. And I don't know if you've ever, any of you have ever practiced that. No, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of no's, no, no. <laughs> but I will tell you, that can be the most destructive, abusive behavior that you can do within your own household. And you know what? It's really hard for some of us to just recognize that and not do it. But just, you are truly hurting relationship when you do it. And that's probably how I fail the most, rather than wanting to argue about it, get the issues out on the table. But that is a uh, very poor way to respond when you are offended by something. Proverbs 19.11 says, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression or an offense. So God's word definitely is calling us to forgive when we're offended. And why should we forgive? Well, first of all, we have been forgiven a lot. We have uh, sinned a lot in the past. We probably already sinned today, and we're probably going to sin a whole lot later today. We just can't claim to be without sin, and yet we want the forgiveness. And we have the forgiveness, so we should forgive similarly. And God says, forgiving, a forgiving response is to our own glory and to his glory. In addition to forgiving, uh, another reason to forgive is that it really is a natural consequence of showing our love for one another. And you know we are called to love one another, even our enemies. Now I can't, I'm talking mostly all about the emphasis of sin here in our lives as it affects being offended in the first place, doing the offending, and responding to the offense. Lots of sin, as I said, to go all around there. But there is a kind of offending that you might need to do. There's some times when you need to offend because you're trying to be more like Jesus and you care a lot more about him. But the fact is, the kind of offense we are called to do to defend truth is not sin, like that which we have just talked about. We're the Lord's ambassadors. And Peter told us here at least a, a little bit about how we are to defend the truth. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So we're not called to never speak up but we are called to do so in a manner that is respectful and then with a degree of gentleness. 
And that's something we all could work on, how we would do that. We have to have courage to speak the truth, to, to not be ashamed of the gospel, to stand firm, proclaim the truth that may save a person eternally from damnation, and maybe we want to be used that way by God. We're called to love one another, and is it really love if we refuse to tell them that they, uh, they need to know the truth about the gospel? It may offend, but I think we're still called to tell the truth because it's a way to show love. It's how we do it. Now, just a little bit more on the, along these lines to give you some ideas. We're called to imitate Jesus. We're not Jesus. We can't speak with the same kind of authority that Jesus did, but we can still represent him as good ambassadors. But here's a couple examples of where Jesus offended, and it says it right in Scripture that he did. In John 6, you may be familiar with this Bread of Life uh, discourse in John chapter 6, where he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I will raise up at the last day. Now, when he said that, that's sort of the end of that discourse. A lot of people were offended and walked away, is the way it says that. And um, another example of where Jesus offended was in Matthew 23, where he went on a pretty long criticism of the Pharisees. He said, you are like whitewashed tombs. You appear righteous, but on the, ins on, on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And they were offended by a lot of what he said, not just this time, but at other times. So Jesus, again, spoke a little more bluntly than we probably should, but we are not him, and we don't have, as I say, the same authority. There's other places in God's word that offends, and it says so. When we say there's one way of salvation, and we turn to John 14, 6, and say no one comes to the Father except through me. And there's other places in Acts where it says there's only one way of salvation. That definitely will offend some if you speak that. If we say homosexuality is an abomination, even if we don't quote Leviticus, but we quote Romans chapter 1 and talk about how homosexuality is identified as sinful behavior, that will offend. The cross itself is an offense. And as Mike taught last week, obviously, if wives submit to husbands uh, is stated by someone, that will be seen as taking, or by some, to take offense. So, all of this talk here about being offended and how it can impact our walk for Christ, I want to kind of focus now in on us, not, at, not the rest of the world. I would say that most of you don't want to be offended, you don't want to offend others, and you don't want the consequences of responding in the wrong way to an offense. You know that it affects your joy and contentment. You know that if you are easily offended, you're likely to be a grumbler, and we could do a whole lesson on how that is displeasing to God for us to grumble and complain. So I think you can all probably uh, come around to the fact that you're willing to pray this prayer 
that says, Lord, help me not be so easily offended. Help me to respond better when offended. Help me to be different than the world, the unbelieving world, and the way they respond to an offense. Help that not be me. Help me be different. Help me be more like what Proverbs says, to overlook the transgression and forgive, to not be so easily offended as I am today. Now, God's word gives us a lot of answers to this question. And you know, when we pray in general, we really can find most God's answers to our prayer when we're asking for wisdom or for how to change. We can find it in his word. And that's where we should be looking for answers. Yeah, we can turn to a good friend who we know understands God's word better than us or, or if has the ability to provide some good biblical guidance and responses to us. But we know we can turn to God's word and find answers for most of what our needs are and most of what we are praying for help about. But when we look for answers here, we might turn to a bunch of rules that we would find or commands or even just something to give us the background we need to understand what's going on. We're warned that spiritual warfare is part of what's affecting this in our lives. We know the devil wants us to be offended. He wants us to offend others, especially within the body of Christ, because then we will become less of what God wants us to be as his people. We're told to deny self, to not think highly of ourselves, to be slow to anger, to turn the other cheek. Many places, God's word tells us to forgive others and to seek reconciliation when we are offended. And all of these are good and true, but they're hard to do. Our spirit may be willing, but our flesh is weak. So to obey a lot of rules, we may want to, but we're going to struggle with that. And the Lord knows that. Jesus knows it's going to be hard to just obey rules. But Jesus said something else that to me is a bigger picture response to how we do better in this area or in any areas that relate to sin in our lives. I think he really gets to the heart of the matter with something that's practical and we might be able to get our arms wrapped around this and focus upon and that's this verse right here. John 14:1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus emphasized that our cares and worries about worldly things may grow dim or will grow dim in his light and glory. If we will believe it. This verse just says, believe in me, but he also taught us to come to him, to abide in him. He taught us that our hearts and minds would be less troubled. Now, what does troubled mean in this verse? The Greek for this word that I looked up in this verse says troubled means agitated, 
stirred up, inward commotion, and a distressed or offended mind. So Jesus is telling us if we will believe in him and come to him and abide in him, that inner turmoil, that trouble, will diminish in us. So, um, as I'm wrapping up here, does the goal to avoid being troubled or offended that I said all of us that think rationally would probably seek mean that we should accept or ignore the evil around us and not be troubled by it? Well, we can have a degree of concern without responding in the ways that we've talked about here today. Our response to evil will be much different if we believe in Christ and abide in him in the way he has called us to do. Our joy and contentment will not be so easily stolen by hurtful words or ideas or even actions that we see. But it doesn't mean we're going to ignore those things in our life and not try to do something to make improvements. So John 14, 1, is a command with an implied promise if we believe or have faith in him, he will replace our troubled heart and mind with the peace that can only come through knowing him. Weak faith causes us to be more subject to our circumstances and more easily offended by worldly events. So what we need to do is pray like the apostles did. When Jesus commanded the apostles to forgive people over and over, I think he said seven times, Lord, increase our faith, was the prayer of the apostles. And I think that's what we need to consider here to help us with this whole idea of taking offense too readily, offending others, and uh, then reacting in a sinful way to offenses. Increase our faith, Lord, and that should be what we pray. So let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for your love for us. Thank you that you have shown us a way to really overcome some of these struggles in our lives, to just draw closer to you, and we pray that you would draw us closer, that you would make us people who just want to abide in you daily. Help us to deny self. Help us to not forget about what is right and wrong, but whenever we observe evil, help us to respond in ways that would be pleasing to you while not neglecting what needs to be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.